All right, everyone, welcome back to episode 28 of Conservative Roundup. Today we're joined by Brad Redekop, the MP for Saskatoon West. Thanks for being here, Brad. It's great to have you. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Well, I am uh, grew up in Saskatchewan, grew up in Yorkton, a town about three hours away from Saskatoon. I graduated with a commerce degree, worked for about 20 years in industry, uh, in a farm machinery company, working within that company as an accounting person and eventually uh, rose to be in charge of all the accounting and ultimately in charge of the company for a while and left there and uh, at that time I think I had about 1100 people working for me I went and started my own business where it was just me so kind of one extreme to the other mm -hmm. um, and that was in home building I did that for about 13 years and uh, enjoyed that very much but also so I had always wanted to get into politics and I uh, didn't want to do that without some experience some real world life experience and so uh, as I was kind of coming into a natural break point in my house building a business it was time for me to make politics I was very frustrated with uh, what Justin Trudeau had been doing in our country and so that really prompted me to uh, give me the kick I needed to get into it and so I uh, here I am today mm. and that's why you wanted to join politics well, you know, it's something that I'd always wanted to do. I, I felt like I, I, I'm, in, uh, I, I'm a leader. I, I want to help the community. I want to help the country. And, uh, and like I said, it was, it was just watching the Liberals and Justin Trudeau, in my opinion, take the country in the exact wrong direction. That really prompted me to say, okay, now's the time. I need to, I need to jump in. If, if nobody else is going to jump in, then I need to do it because we, we have to change this, change the direction of this ship. Uh, it, it's we have a saying here in my family is with Justin Trudeau's 2019 slogan, choose forward, we choose backwards. <laughs> Perfect, thanks. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, MP Redekop, uh, I was just wondering if you had any future goals uh, of being for an MP. Well, that's a great question. Um, well, obviously, I'd like to see us in power. That's, this is, you know, there, there's so much frustration, especially in Western Canada, with with the various things that are going on in government, whether they be you know carbon taxes or the direction of oil and gas industry, uh, environmental policies, and other things like that, um, all of which are good things, but but need to be done in the right way. And it seems from our perspective in the West, they're all being done the wrong way. So, uh, what I like to tell people, and it's it's the truth, is that we can't change any of these things until we're in power. And so, you know, the number one goal or, or a dream that I have is that we would get into power because then we could start to see some of these changes. And obviously, uh, my goal is that I'd like to be part of that and I'd like to be part of that conversation and have, have an impact in, in both developing those changes and actually implementing those changes into the country. Mm -hmm. um, and being from the West yourself, how do you feel about uh, the, true the true government's uh, treatment of uh, the Canadians of West? Well, you know, along the lines of that same conversation, uh, a lot of the people that I talk to, they always go back to the former Trudeau, Pierre Trudeau, and, and talk about the feelings that they had when he was prime minister and, and the way that he was he had this knack of just alienating the West and just, you know, everything that he did seemed to go against what we stand for here in the West. And, and uh, Justin has just picked right up where he left off and, and created that same feeling and, and and uh, you know, people just really feel that right in right in their core, and uh, and the solution is to get rid of this Trudeau, just like we got rid of last one. Mister Redekop, what do you feel is your biggest accomplishment so far? Uh, as a parliamentarian, uh, just it doesn't a parliamentarian or just a general. 
Uh, in general, I think, um, you know, I've, I've been married to my wife for over 35 years. I should actually know the exact time because that's going to come back to bite me at some point. But <laughs> a long time. Uh, um, and raised two uh, really great boys. And so to me, very important. It, it is the core structure of our culture and our country, and we need to have a strong, a strong, powerful family units. And so I'm very... I, I did well, um, and so lots of things to, to be proud of there. And, uh, you know, as, as this whole experience as an MP, it's very new, and it's been almost entirely done under the guise of COVID. And so it's very hard to kind of equate what I've been through to other MPs. And, and uh, you know, there's there's been certain things happen during this period, but most of everything we've done has been related to COVID. Um, oh, sorry, my uh, it's just my Wi-Fi for a second. Um, now my my next question is, why? Now, obviously, you you come back to uh, Homeboy. Actually, going through your your record, you were uh, involved in in the homeless around the homeless homeless shelters. Where? What? What do you think Justin Trudeau has, has done to to help homelessness in in Canada? Well, it goes back to the Conservative. Actually, we started uh, a program. Uh, for providing funding for homelessness. And uh, I was quite involved in that prior to getting involved in politics through an organization called The Bridge on 20th, which is here in Saskatoon. And so in Saskatoon, we created a, 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 group, of, uh, a group of people from all kinds of different uh, organizations and, and businesses and things uh, to come around this issue of homelessness in Saskatoon. And, uh, and the Conservative uh, under, under Harper started this program of, of funding money that was essentially given to the local community and there was an organization put in place to manage the distribution of that money but it wasn't really the government that decided where it went it was the local group that decided where that went and so uh, that has actually had very good results here in our city uh, of course there's a long ways to go that it, it's a huge problem and we've only begun to understand it but that was the start and so that program has carried on under the liberals and uh, and so that's a good thing uh, because it's something that's very much needed in the city and uh, there's you know there's been a few other initiatives uh, just recently there was the rapid housing initiative which is an offshoot of, of the homelessness strategy and that was a, a program designed to create uh, to take something like a, a hotel for example that isn't really being used and convert it into usage for, as a homeless shelter or as, as a place where people who don't have homes can live uh, right now, and and I think it's a great idea. Unfortunately, for Saskatoon, where I live, uh, there was a billion dollars allocated to this program, uh, but none of that money made it into Saskatoon. It all went into other cities, and so uh, we have great needs for that here in the city. But uh, unfortunately, the Liberal government decided not to funnel any of that money into Saskatoon. Mm -hmm. uh, is there any work that that you want want that that is coming up that you would want to put it forward? Is homelessness or, or crime or or your work on the environment committee is there any upcoming work that you're um working on well in terms of in terms of the homelessness issue uh it's it's a very um it's a very pressing issue here in saskatoon uh as it is in many cities and we have you know a certain population of people who are who are hard to house and they uh they tend to get be the ones that cause uh you know cause work for the police department for the fire department for our health care system and so when, when uh, efforts are put towards resolving some of those issues and providing a place for those folks to live, 
uh, it, it actually reduces the pressure on all those other areas. So that's, that's an important thing. Mm. Uh, and you mentioned the environment, and that's also a huge issue um, in Saskatoon here. Uh, I've been able to, to work with, uh, we have a Miwasan Valley Authority here in Saskatoon, which is, uh, if you haven't been here, Saskatoon has a, a river that runs right through the center of, of Saskatoon, and it's parkland on both sides of that, and that's what we call the Miwasan Valley Authority. And uh, so there's trails, biking trails, walking trails, etc. And we, you know, we're always looking to upgrade and improve that park. It's, it's a key, important part of the city. And so I've, I've been uh, uh, proud to work with uh, the folks over at Miwasan Valley and, and uh, been doing some things with them to help get them more connected into the government and ultimately uh, working to get some government funding for some of the expansion plans that they have. And so, so that's been an exciting uh, thing for me to help with as well. Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Um, MP Redekop, I was just wondering if you had any political uh, uh, political uh, figures that you admired before when gained politics. Well, uh, you know, I really, I really thought highly of, of Stephen Harper, our, our former prime minister. He, uh, he's a person I have a lot of respect for. He's a very smart man and, and uh, a very a lot of knowledge, especially when it comes to running the economy. And being from Saskatchewan and Saskatoon, uh, you know, have to be uh, a fan of John Diefenbaker. We have a center here. <laughs> Uh, honoring him and and uh, he was one of our great leaders i think and so i i often uh, i do respect him a lot as well perfect and um going over since you're involved with the environment a lot do you think uh how do you think canadians can start reducing like our carbon footprint and uh helping our building our growing our environment yeah that's a great question I, you know there's there's no question that we have to reduce our greenhouse gases uh, I think we have to always remember that the goal is to reduce greenhouse gases. Um, it's not necessarily to reduce carbon. I mean, that's one way to do it. But but somehow, sometimes we get focused on reducing carbon. You know, in Saskatchewan, we have a project here on a on a coal-fired power plant that uses carbon capture and storage technology. And actually, uh, even though that plant burns coal to create electricity, uh, it produces zero greenhouse gas emissions because it's all captured and stored underground. And so we have to remember that, that it's, it's greenhouse gases are the, is what we're trying to avoid here, not necessarily carbon. So uh, part, that's part of the message that we have to take to the world, actually, is, is that we have technology here in Saskatchewan in Canada, and there's, and there's technology yet to be developed that will allow us to reduce our greenhouse gases. And that's, I think, an area where Canada can lead. And I think that's the other thing we have to also keep in mind is that uh, Canada is a resource-based country. And so uh, sometimes people get uh, tied up in some of the comparisons with other countries and, and uh, per capita numbers and things like that. But you have to remember that, and as you guys are all well aware, Canada is a very large country. So we have to transport things many miles. If it's going from Toronto to Vancouver, that's a lot of greenhouse gases and a lot of, a lot of energy that's consumed to move that, you know, that uh, item from a to B. Uh, same with if you're traveling, you know, there's there's long, great long distances to travel, whether it's by car or by air. And so uh, you know, those those things take, they take energy. And we're, we're a cold country. You know, we, we've just come through winter. Uh, if, if we didn't have heat in our homes, that would be a bad thing. <laughs> we would be in trouble. And so, so these are differences with Canada, but we, we don't need to be ashamed of those things. That's who we are. Because the flip side of that is that we also produce, because of that, we need to produce energy, right? And so we produce, uh, you know, some of the, the most environmentally sound energy, uh, most, uh, we have the highest human rights standards, 
uh, we pay well, you know, we have the highest environmental regulations, you know, we, we produce the cleanest, safest, best energy in the world, and we should be proud of that. And so we should be, uh, we should be the first in line to be exporting our energy all over the world. And, and if we do that right and export some of our technology and our know-how to other countries, uh, even we certainly have to reduce our own, that's for sure. But we can actually, you know, Canada has such a small impact on the world when it comes to our greenhouse gases. But if we can magnify and multiply our technology into other places, into China, into India, uh, we can actually have, we can punch above our weight. We can have a far greater impact in, in greenhouse gas emissions in the world than just our little little bit here in Canada. So I think I think we need to remember who we are and be proud of that and, and uh, you know, really work hard to help everybody in the world, not just ourselves. Perfect. Thank you. Mr. Redekop, today the, the carbon tax went up again because it's April 1st and went up today. Uh, how concerned are you that you and your constituents out west are that the carbon tax keeps keeps going up? Well, fundamentally, the carbon tax, in my view, is not an efficient way to deal with greenhouse gas emissions. Um, you know, the, the, the small increases that have been happening are, are uh, an annoyance, if anything. Uh, they make everything more expensive. Uh, we talked about how cold it is in Canada and heating your home. Uh, it's a significant amount of money that gets charged on your, your gas bill to heat your house. And, you know, if that was something optional that we could turn off, well, you know, maybe, but, but it's not. And so it's, to me, it's ridiculous that we're charging a carbon levy on, you know, an old couple who's, who can barely afford to stay in their house and now they're paying an extra 30 or $40 a month for a carbon tax. Um, it really doesn't change behavior. And, and even with driving, it takes, it's going to take a much larger amount of money to change that behavior. And, and we just feel that, that um, or I feel that the the real issue, are in terms of greenhouse gas reductions, is there's some large emitters that are are the big producers of greenhouse gases in our country, and, and those are the, the areas that we need to go for. You know, we should go for the low hanging fruit. And and what the current government has done is they've gone after uh, the politically easy thing to do, which is to create a tax. I mean, what government wouldn't like to create a tax? You know, it just creates revenue and. and uh, you know, gives them options to do things, and, and it really doesn't do anything to, to slow down the environment, in my view, or very little. And so, I, I'd rather see something that's aimed more targeted at the people that really make an impact and can make a difference, and uh, leave grandpa and grandma alone, so they don't have to suffer more with paying higher bills for their for heating their home. For sure. Like I think at the beginning, when the carbon tax first came, it was like an eleven hundred dollar increase per year for households. Now it's gone up like four hundred percent or something like that. So it's yeah. it's it's too unaffordable. Yeah, yeah, and it just it doesn't accomplish the goals that it's supposed to accomplish. No. Uh, sticking with issues here, what what issues do you feel is most important in the upcoming federal election? Well, no, I think number one, it's it's getting people back to work, uh, and then. You know, right along with that is our economy. Those two, those two go hand in hand. And so we need a, for you know, as you know, we have spent unbelievable amounts of money in the last year. And you know, fair enough, there was a huge issue uh, with COVID, and we had to do something. And so, you know, I think if conservatives had been power in power, it would have looked a little bit different. But we would have still been forced to provide funding for individuals and companies. Uh, we would have done it differently, more efficiently, and, and things like that. But still would have had to do it. And so now we have to get to the point of how do we pay this back? How do we, how do we get the budget back into a reasonable place? 
uh, get that deficit worked, you know, towards zero because we we know that we can't continually borrow money. That that's not good for for guys like you in the future. And so we have to get that under control. And in, at the same time, the way we do that is by getting the economy going. And when you get the economy going, that creates jobs. And so so uh, you know, when I look around here in my city. The people that are suffering still are the ones who don't have the jobs and you know it's restaurant owners it's the hotel owners it's anybody in in any sort of travel industry and certain businesses are are very much affected by this and so we've got to get those jobs going again we've got to get the economy humming again which will create tax revenues and bring everybody up the level that's what we need to do for sure thank you now coming uh, coming back to your um crime rates in, in canada you you looked at saskatoon it has Crime, crime has gone up recently all across every city in Canada. And you, you look at the Trudeau gun ban, who, and he's repealing all these guns. That, oh, we're going to buy back your guns. We're going to buy them all back. Do you think that he's, well, it, it has been proven that, that he's taking on legal gun owners. He's taking their guns away from legal abiding gun owners instead of going after the big crime and, and crimes and gangs in and across the cities across Canada. Why do you think he he's not going after the gangs and the in the well illegal border crossers that bring in that smuggle in guns into Canada? Why, why do you think that is? You know, it's it's right back to the same issue as the carbon tax. There's there's the uh, easy, somewhat ineffective way to do it, uh, which is the tax, uh, versus the hard way, which is actually reducing greenhouse gases. And it's the same here in crime. You know, the the ineffective quote, easy solution is to go after law-abiding gun owners, firearms owners, and ask them to, you know, jump through hoops, give up certain firearms, uh, you know, give up certain things they like to do. Uh, one of the things that they're targeting is airsoft for reasons that escape me completely. But, you know, they, this these, these strange regulations and rules to go after something that is rather ineffective, when the real issue, as you mentioned, is... It's related to gangs. It's 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 a far more complex issue and, and far more difficult to to regulate. And, and the changes that they're proposing really won't won't impact that in a material way. And the, and the really strange thing is that with Bill C twenty one, which is which is the firearms regulations, uh, they're they're doing as as you suggested, as I mentioned, you know, making it more difficult for for legal law abiding folks to uh, to enjoy their firearms at, at shooting ranges and things like that. Um, and it's even affecting, as I said, airsoft. Uh, uh, competitions and which is a which is a fun thing to do you know to to go and uh, have an airsoft competition with your buddies um, but then c22 is another piece of legislation they introduced which actually uh, seeks to eliminate and reduce the fines and the consequences of creating of, of, of using a firearm in the in a crime and so it just it makes no sense that on the one hand you're penalizing legal law-abiding firearms owners and on the other hand, in the next legislation, you're actually making it easier for a criminal to use a, a firearm to commit a crime. It, I mean, it makes no sense, and, and it just shows the the illogical thinking that's that's going on in this government. Mm. Yeah, like, like it's an airsoft gun. Like, like people go out, they have fun with those. Like, same as the paintball guns. Like, people go and have fun with those things. And you, you know what I admire from the states is, is their Second Amendment, right? Because that doesn't go after law-abiding gun owners. That goes that goes after gangs. It's so sad to see Justin, and he takes advantage of a very tragic situation, such as the Nova Scotia tragedy a couple of years ago, and he used that as a political advantage to to repeal guns and introduce his first gun ban. Why? It, 
what are your thoughts on him using those type of situations as, as a political ad- advantage? Well, obviously those situations are horrible and they are, uh, you know, I wish they wouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, they're always involving, you know, a perpetrator who's who has a motive and, and uh, who's a criminal. And, you know, there's, and I think in almost all cases, those firearms are stolen or they're acquired illegally and they're certainly not registered. Mm-hmm. And um, they're also very emotional, you know, they're very easy to tag onto. And so as it is, it is, um, sad i think that that a politician would take uh, an emotional um very difficult time and and then use that for political gain to do something i just think that's wrong mm, for sure thanks um i was just wondering uh what are your current thoughts on the whole like lo- what's your current thoughts on like the impact that lockdowns are having on the economy well that's a great question um the lockdowns are having all kinds of impacts, um, you know, certainly on the economy. Uh, the, the, you know, the, in fairness, there are some industries that are doing well. You know, if, if you have anything to do with uh, something at home, like uh, gaming or anything like that, those those industries are doing well. But there's a lot of industries that are not doing well. And a lot of those are disproportionately skewed towards lower income, especially female jobs, you know, like uh, the restaurant industry, um, the hotel industry. Uh, those are industries that are really struggling right now and are going to take literally years to get back to where they were. And so the lockdowns are having a huge impact on that. And lockdowns are having other ish, uh, other impacts as well, especially in mental health. You know, it's it's an area that, that we uh, sometimes forget about. And, you know, there's, uh, I think, of the people that I know that have not been able to get treatments for different diseases or, or you know, somebody that has you know, maybe signs that they may have cancer or something like that, and they're not able to, to get the, the help that they need from the medical system because uh, everything's been skewed because of COVID. And so I think there's lots of impacts, uh, whether they be, you know, health impacts, mental health impacts, job impacts, uh, and just well-being. You know, it, it's, it's not healthy for, uh, I'll, I'll use the example of, of grandparents again, to be to be uh, sequestered away from their families and their and their grandchildren and their children that's very hard mentally on people and so um you know that's had a huge impact i think in our country Perfect. um also how do you think how do you sorry how would you like uh kind of grade uh the true government's response uh for getting covid vaccines into canada uh d minus i would say <laughs> They, uh, you know, they talked a big game about ordering all this, you know, all these vaccines, which is great. Order away, but but uh, an order isn't all that much help unless you actually receive the product, and and that's been the real, um, the real measurements measuring stick is is are we actually getting vaccines into Canada? And you know, Canada, I think last I checked was in the fifties in terms of uh, you know in terms of the rank in the world of, with vaccines. And I think in terms of the developed world, we're pretty much at the bottom of the pile. And, and that, that, is, uh, that is just not, not acceptable. You know? and, and our provinces are working very, very hard to, to uh, get vaccines into people uh, to try to you know, get us back to normal, as we've been talking about. And they can only do that if they've actually got vaccines to put into people. And so that's, that's been the federal government's job. And uh, you know, they're, they're all proud to say how many they've ordered but the reality is that we just haven't got very many vaccines yet into our country and, and we're still 
way behind the rest of the developed world in, in getting our population vaccinated. So it's it's been a, a, a very poor job, in my opinion. Perfect. Thank you. Mr. Redekop, what what industry, like the oil and gas industry out west, where do you think just the Prime Minister has failed the, uh, the oil and gas workers? I think the, the fundamental area that's that's in trouble right now is the regulatory regime. And it, it affects much more than oil and gas. It affects all resource-based uh, companies. And in fact, it affects nearly every every. A company executive that's looking to invest money. You know, when, when you're when you run a large company or small company, even you're you're always looking to the future. You know, where are we going? What's what's going to happen next? And generally, as you look at uh, from a business perspective, when you look at, at things, you look towards uh, investing money because it takes money to make money, right? That's an old saying. And so you need to build a factory, you need to build a mine, you need to build you know whatever it is, or even simply investing in equipment. You need to buy new equipment or expand your equipment or build some sort of new technology. And so that's always what you're looking towards. You're looking towards the future as, as a business executive. And uh, in Canada right now, we have a very um, unpredictable regulatory regime. So uh, you may have permission or you may think you have permission to build a factory or a mine or whatever in a certain place. And then halfway through, all of a sudden, it all changes. And, and actually, no, you didn't have permission. And so you have to stop everything and go back to the drawing board and spend another couple of years. And, and so this whole thing, you know, we've seen it with some of the pipelines and some of the other larger resource-based projects in, in Western Canada in particular, and in Quebec as well. And so what that's causing is that business executives are saying, you know what, it's just it's too complicated in Canada. There's too many unknowns. Um, you know, if, if I'm responsible for my business's money, for investors' money, I can't with good conscience spend that money in Canada because I don't know if it's going to work out. So I'm going to take that money and I'm going to go to, you know, somewhere in Europe. I'm going to go to Australia. I'm going to go to South America. I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to invest that money where there's a more stable climate. And to me, that's that's utterly ridiculous that, that, a, uh, that a business executive would go and mine in, you know, the former Soviet Union somewhere because they have a more stable business climate, a more re stable regulatory regime than we do in Canada. That's embarrassing. It's it's utterly ridiculous, but that's the reality. And so that's causing um, a lot of stress, a lot of it's, it's causing us to lose billions of dollars in opportunity here in Canada. Mm -hmm. Sure. My follow up question would be if if Aaron O'Toole gets elected as a government, let's say majority government, what areas of uh, what areas should he focus on recovery, trying to recover that that area? Well, I, I'm sure you meant to say when he gets elected. Yeah, yeah when? when. Uh, okay, that's that's good. That's good. Um, well, you know, as as we as I said earlier, the, the initial immediate focus has to be on jobs. We have to we have to look at the at the short term uh, first because we need to get people back to work. We need to get the economy going again. Um, and so we talked about that before. Um, once that's kind of taken care of, then we have to fix this regulatory regime that we have. We have to uh, put some confidence back into business so that they can, uh, instead of in investing money elsewhere, they can come back to Canada. They can spend their investment dollars here in our country, you know, building those new factories, building those new mines, whatever it might be. Um, but we, because that bodes well for the long term, right? Um, 
we need we need that long-term investment from business in order to create those stable long-term jobs so so i think it's sort of a two-fold thing there's the short-term uh, deal with that first and then let's let's make sure that we've got the regime in place for the long-term investments to happen sure thank you Coming back to your uh, your D minus rating of Trudeau's vaccine rollout, you look at the United States; they have so many vaccines they're giving them to to zoo animals, and we haven't in in, in Ontario we haven't even reached sixty five and over yet. We're still at seventy and over. Where why do you think that he's he's fallen so behind? He he's, hasn't made any deals. He hasn't been on the phone. It, when you really look at it, Aaron O'Toole's been on the phone with the head of Pfizer and Moderna. Why why do you think like What's your take on on Justin Trudeau's rollout? I, I think there's there's a there's a general theme in all kinds of things, whether it be vaccine rollout, whether it be the Wee scandal, uh, whether it be uh, acquiring ships for the Navy or fighter jet, whatever it might be. There's a theme here, and that theme is incompetence. Um, it's very this government finds it very difficult to actually get something done in an efficient and orderly way. Uh, they're really good at talking, they're really good at photo ops, um, but when it comes to actually executing something, to actually getting it done, uh, that's where they fall short every single time. So it doesn't matter what the issue is. Uh, if you look into that issue, you'll see a lack of execution, which to me is just just plain incompetence with, with getting something done. And that's why I think, you know, as a business person, uh, one of my, you know, right, right back to the beginning, you asked why I got into politics. And, and as a business person, you know, in business, you need to see the problem, you need to create a solution, and you need to execute the solution and get it done. You know, that's, that's how you achieve success in business is by, is by identifying the problem and then putting together a plan that's going to get you through that problem out the other side. And it's, you know, there's a certain skill involved in that. And that's why people get involved in business. And for myself, that's what I experienced in my career as a businessman. And I want to bring that skill to government because I see that lacking so much in government. And when you look at the liberal side of the fence, uh, they don't have that experience. They don't know. You know, you look at the, the, the health minister, the, the, uh, all these ministers that are in charge of these problems right now. They have no real world experience in doing any of this kind of thing. So, mm -hmm. so, so is it any surprise that they can't execute a plan? They, they can't even create a plan. You know, right now we're asking the liberal government to give us a plan for how we're going to get past this lockdown situation. And they can't even give us a plan because they don't, they don't even know how to plan, let alone execute uh, the, the plan once it's there. So that's the core of every problem that we've seen with the liberals is just, just incompetence and lack mm -hmm. of ability to create a plan. Yeah, for example, you have, Patty Hyde, a graphic designer, is the health minister. You have Christy Freeland, a, a journalist. And, and then you, you look at all these foreign affairs ministers who have no expertise in the field of, of foreign affairs at all. They, they don't even have business or economic degrees at all. It, it, having, like, other other people on the, the podcast, they've said that, well, obviously, Justice Hero is, proclaims himself as the most feminist prime minister. He put all these women as parliamentary secretaries they aren't even ministers at all like he's just completely botched everything he does he can't even do anything right like even i have to get i'm not a fan of joe biden at all but i will give it to him he even does things better than justin trudeau does <laughs> yeah i mean you know there's there are certainly a lot of of different people and you know it really doesn't matter if you're male or female or whatever what matters to me is competence do you have the experience do you have the knowledge do you have 
the the ability and sometimes people surprise you you know it's it's not to say someone that's a journalist can't make a great finance minister mm-hmm. but you know do we have that in canada i'm not sure you know you, sometimes sometimes a person does surprise you with their skills so even that isn't necessarily a prerequisite but the proof is in the pudding as they say so what are the results that we're seeing are we seeing amazing awesome results or are we seeing incompetence and i think most of the time when we look at the liberals we're seeing incompetence mm-hmm. For sure. Well, I know you are uh, pressed for time, but I wanted to thank you for all your time today. I hope that we could do this again, and that it was really great doing this. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed the questions and enjoyed chatting with you guys. Thanks. Thank you, Mr. Redekop, for your time. Yeah. Have a great day, guys. Thanks. You Thanks, too. too. that was Brad Redekop, the MP for Saskatoon West. Make sure to tune in on the next episode of Conservative Roundup.